You're listening to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, where we promote, encourage, and equip gospel-centered worship. For more information, visit us at doxologyandtheology.com. Hey guys, how are you? Um, I get a little nervous when I'm not holding a guitar or an instrument, so um, I brought a very small notebook and then borrowed a very big Bible. <laughs> so I figured that's a good way to start. Um, and yeah, I think I've been um, really enjoyed being with you guys today. I would say that just the encouragement that you are, um, you are so responsive to the scriptures. As I've heard you all talking together, singing, it is beautiful to see. Like there are some places you go and there's, you know, literacy in music or reading music or whatever. But in this place, to, I mean, and that might be here too. I'm not saying you can't read music. But I'm saying I, I see this encouragement, like the one offer that, that you are brought to life when you start talking about Scripture together. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think it will have a transforming effect on your communities, on the kids in your communities, on the generations to come, because there's just such power in sitting in His words and enjoying that. So... Um, I would say I'd love to share a couple of thoughts in just a few minutes with you tonight before we sing some more together. And, um, and I don't know, maybe I, on one level, I, I would come to you and say, like, if this were, um, if this were like the bookshelf at the airport and you saw like the, the things like the 10 steps to the best life ever and whatever the lists are, I would say I'd love to kind of put this in front of you and say that the source of our creative life, um, and I'm not going to say 10 steps, I'll maybe say four bullet points, but the source of our creative community life is the way of the Trinity. To like sit with, with the idea, this theological idea that is so big and impossible to put our arms around, um, has it has um, so much to offer us when it comes to the brokenness in our churches, in ourselves, in our communities. And when we come every Sunday to gather, we need um, an unending source of life. And I would say the source of life for us, what should be on the very number one thing that we reach for when we need help is the Trinity. Um, and the way of the Trinity is framed up in all throughout scripture, but maybe not under that particular word. So it's kind of one that would be easy to miss. And we just say it in a creed or we recite it and we don't really think about what does it mean? Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit. Um, so there are, I love to talk about four um, ideas that have been so much a part of my work in a local church community from week to week. I've been serving at a little church for about four years, four and a half years. And these four ideas have been so shaping, and they're all attributes of what the life of the Trinity looks like. One is membership. The first one is membership, that we belong. Wendell Berry uses that term a lot in lots of different ways. talks about the health of being in a, a member in a community. Because if you're a member in a community, there is something that's like shared between you, and there's a sense of belonging. And we see this in the Trinity that there is um, just the security that, they, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are operating as three persons and very distinct, different attributes, different, thing, different ways that they move around and function, and, and yet um, they belong. They completely belong to each other. 
And so when we think about that, I think the, the way that that brings healing into our community life is that belonging, it, it brings us out of isolation. We're so prone to isolation. If I'm left to my own, I'm going to be isolated. I'm going to be controlling. I'm going to try to manage things on my own. And yet the life of the church is a life of, of invitation, of communal coming together and of belonging. So I wanted to put um, a scripture before you, and that is Romans 12, 4 through 5. Let me flip over here. Um, so in Romans 12, 4 through 5, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And then it continues to talk about gifts and our different gifts according to the grace given us and the way we use them. Before we even get to the part where we think about what's useful, we think about the fact that we are made to belong and that we need each other and we are made for relationship in the same way that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit belong to each other. They're distinct and yet unified. Um, and even at the very beginning, like in Genesis, when we have this description of creation and we have this, this language that says, uh, where it says, let us make man in our image. So there's a, there's a communal thing happening even that we are created into. So our very being is grown up out of this idea that God is three in one and that he invites us to be part of that. And as we know, then that gets broken and then restored. And that's like this beautiful um, story we, I could not have imagined. Um, and it, and it is, it's such a rich story that we're invited into. So the first thing I think is membership. The second thing in the way of the Trinity is collaboration. And for this one, this is um, one that I think when you hear the passage, so the passage that it, I was drawn to in thinking about this idea of collaboration in, in community life is uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 3, which says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, so here we have Jesus and then the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And when you think about like, when I think about the, the daily work of, of working with other musicians and preparing for a service on Sunday, or working with the staff and um, dreaming up uh, ideas for programs or for Bible studies or for things we wanna do together, um, there is a sense that uh, this, if this is our center, if this is our source of life, then you find that um, if left to myself, there's going to be pride and ego. There's going to be everybody grasping for wanting the attention and wanting to be in the center of it and wanting to make the decisions. But in this collaborative way, like the Holy Spirit, we see that there is boldness and there is interaction. Um, and like a, a couple examples of, of collaboration within the Trinity that I would just like put forward, not as a theologian, but just as a, and a, just wondering about these things. One is in the garden when Jesus is crying out to God. And there's a sense of boldness and there's a sense of, if there's any other way, can we not do it this way? And 
I know that's a, you know, that is like a, it's one of the most intense descriptions I've ever heard of a human experience, like where he actually sweats blood because he is in such despondency. And yet we know that he also walks through that into obedience, full obedience. And we're here today because he did that. And so as we engage in what it means to collaborate, it doesn't mean that we just passively like have no opinions. It means that we come together and say, this needs to be said, and I need, to, I need you to hear it. And so as we learn to listen to each other and to react and to um, push through those feelings that we have, and whether it's like small stuff or, um, but I tell you, anytime there's creative work or anytime somebody's holding a microphone on a Sunday or anytime during the week, it's like, you're gonna be wrestling with your ego. It is just inevitable. And it doesn't mean you have to run away, but it means there's an opportunity that the gospel can can press in close and that it can become a, a place where we say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we need your communion, your whole communion to invite us into the wholeness that you only can give us. So collaboration, um, we see that kind of boldness in the gospel. We, I mean, in the garden, we see that kind of boldness in the Psalms when psalmists like have these like back and forth conversations with themselves, with their soul, with God, with each other. It's just like almost a little bit nuts, right? And I think there's, there's something that comforts me about that because I feel like that's all going on inside of me most days. <laughs> and I think because we have examples of that, we know that we are not the first ones to experience what we're experiencing. And so we can press through those difficult places into healthy collaboration where we can disagree and still love, where it stays love, and where we don't run from each other, even in those difficult things. And that's going to require forgiveness. It's going to require letting go again and again. Letting go of, I want to sing this song in a different key, because I like it better in my voice, right? Like the smallest, stupidest stuff will get under your skin, and then you find that you're still thinking about it at lunch. And you're like, what is the deal with that? And so you have another opportunity to say, okay, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I need the communion that you can give so that I can let go of the things that are small, that are insignificant, and that I would not be distracted from the things that are the substance of kingdom work in our midst. And his kingdom goes forward in spite of us and through us and in amazing ways more than we can imagine. So in the way of the Trinity, the third thing I, that I have observed in our, in our life as a community is hospitality. There's a thing we say in the liturgy most weeks when we go to communion, it says, um, Christ is the host and we are his guests. And hospitality can mean a lot of things. It's, um, it's not just like having the table set perfectly, but if you think about somebody that you have felt really loved by, that you've visited in, the, in their home, it could be your grandmother, it could be your own home. A lot of, for a lot of us, it's, it maybe wasn't your own home, it was a neighbor. But what are the things, like spend some time thinking about what are the things that drew you to that place that made you wanna just like kick your shoes off and feel at ease? And then think about how hospitality is playing out on, in a service, you know, as we plan and as we worship together. That there's hospitality even in the logistics of saying, um, are we gonna be, where, how are we gonna set up the stage? Or what do we do when somebody drops something and it's really awkward, you know, or somebody misses a cue? 
do we have the presence as people together to push through those awkward moments and to think about the logistics in light of welcome and wanting to be a place that people are invited because Christ is the host. And we see him, when we see like his time with his friends and him reclining at the table and we see anointing and we see um, what I imagine to be very slow, deliberate conversation and how we have, we have the opportunity in our services together to slow down and in our communion even throughout the week to slow down and practice the kind of things that we um, might have seen in when Jesus was with his friends. And lastly, I think in the way of the Trinity, we find flourishing because um, in the way of the Trinity, there's abundance. That God's abundance is, I thought about, okay, what are some scripture, like what's the scripture that comes to mind when I think of abundance? And there were like 15 that came into my mind. I was just like, they kept coming. I thought about Ruth 3 when Boaz gives Ruth, sends her home with six measures of barley way more than enough. She and her mother had way more than enough. Psalm 23, my cup overflows. And just the imagery of like, I can't even hold all this. He has, he has poured it out. The anointing of Jesus' feet with the alabaster jar. The woman at the well, when she is looking for water and offering him water, he says, I'm going to give you water. I can give you living water that will never run out. Abundance. Psalm 65, I love this image. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. That one just goes on and on. That whole psalm is just like, uh, it's very natural, um, kind of agrarian images. And it's, it's so uh, uh, visual in the way that it reads. But just imagine a wagon that is so heavy that it's actually making these tracks in the soil. And you imagine, the, that means the soil's probably wet because it's rained so much. And rain in the Hebrew tradition is like a symbol of blessing. All these things rolled in together to say like, you are the, you know, if left to my own, there is a, there's this mindset that slips in that says there's scarcity, there's not gonna be enough. I better take what's mine. I better get my moment. I better sing my solo. I better do the thing, you know, and get in there while I can. But if God's abundance is the lifeblood that we are going back to over and over again by this image of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then in a sense, if God's love is, the, the proof that we have that God's love is generative is that we ourselves are the recipients of the overflow of the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when the curtain was torn, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, when the curtain was torn, there was like this trinity, if you think of it in, in this triangular shape, was opened. The two were broken between father and son so that there would be, there would be entrance, there would be like ultimate hospitality, that there would be a way in for us to be joined in this eternal communion with God himself. I mean, it's like the, it is mind-blowing to think about the implications of that in our lives. And we, um, I think all the times that I am living in, in withdrawing or isolating or worrying about my own ego, my own selfish ambition, it is like um, swallowed up by his, by his abundance and his goodness for us. A couple of years ago, I was invited to a friend's uh, well, it was a retreat with a bunch of friends, a lot of people I didn't know, and I was like, it just at a time where I thought, I'm going to do it, I'm just going to go. 
And at the end of the retreat, as the time was coming to an end, it had been a really sweet, uh, rich time together. And um, the friend that was hosting the retreat said, okay, we're looking out. It was up in um, Canada, like on the western coast. So we're looking out over the water, and there were just, just an incredible scene. And he said, everybody go out back behind you and find a rock. And let that rock represent something you don't want to take home with you. And take it, bring it over here as you're ready and throw it in the water. Leave it here. Like name something quietly to yourself, pray about it, leave it here. So I went and I was, you know, I found a big heavy rock. And I was carrying some big heavy things. And I used to be a softball player when I was in high school. So this was really fun for me. Because like the idea of like throwing that out, the physicality of that was like, yes, this is, this is, um, experiential prayer right now. And so I went over and I found this big rock and I threw it out as far as I could um, and watched it land and the water was kind of moving in a lot of different directions. There were, so I threw it out and I watched, it disappeared so quickly that I was, it was almost startling. And I watched the waters just rush right over it. And then I looked up and there were pine trees and there were mountains behind that and more water it, was one, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And there were, no joke, there were bald eagles nesting in the pine trees. I mean, it was like, did somebody set this up? I mean, it was so beautiful. But what struck me, and I will never forget about the moment, was that all of a sudden the heaviness, it was like gone. It was like, okay, so this picture that was swallowed up by the abundance, that little thing, like my little thing that feels massive in my life, is no match for the abundance of God. And the proportions of those two things, it was like, Sandra, look, just let it go. And, and to look out over that scene, and I think, I think that is the picture when we gather and when we sing these songs of hope. Like, what is hope if it's not something that, um, if you already see it, right? What is that verse in Romans 8? Hope that is seen is not really hope. So when we sing songs of hope and when we write songs of hope, we are doing this picture. We are saying like this scene of beauty, God's abundance is much greater than the small things that we will throw in and be swallowed up. And that is only true because Jesus has, has been swallowed up on our behalf and he has raised up again and he has held open the gates to us in, of his abundance. So in closing, I just want to read... Um, as I've been thinking about the image of the Trinity and the way of the Trinity as the, as the means of flourishing in our creative and community life. Um, I came full circle to this text that I've been looking at for a couple years, probably three years now, I've been meditating on this, wrote a little melody, still not really done anything with it, but I've realized that the Trinity is all in this text and I didn't even see it till, till recently. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, I'll close with this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, this is your community, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, I mean God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, manifesting his love 
that we would be brought into his fullness. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.